because this was, I think without exaggeration, the worst primetime game I've ever seen. Welcome in to the first ever video version of the Hot Read Podcast. I'm your host, Easton Fries, director of published content here at broadwaysportsmedia.com. We're also brought to you by the 440 Podcast Network. Happy Friday, everybody. This is the show for October 7th, uh, and it's a Friday before the Titans go on the road to play the Washington Commanders, an exciting matchup that is um, incredibly boring, actually, and we'll talk a good bit about today. When I say we, I mean JT, our producer JT, who is joining us as always. JT, how are you? How's it going? Happy Friday. Happy now Friday. You see what both of us look like. So yeah. face reveal Commander, for face reveal. In. Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> a couple of things to talk about. We're actually recording this late, late, late on Thursday night. Um, and I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about what we all just witnessed on Thursday night football, because as exciting as this Titans-Washington matchup is. I mean, it's so exciting that this is the first opening monologue portion of the show that we've done this calendar year that I just have essentially nothing planned on the Titans because it's such a boring matchup. I have some thoughts that I'll share in a minute, but first, a couple of uh, things on the to-do list. JT, uh, what are you wearing right now? Wearing a Mets jersey. Oh, Um, the New New York baseball Mets? The New York baseball Mets that... uh, Start tomorrow on the wild card against wild the, card. the San Diego Padres. They're blackout Friday, so I'm wearing my blackout. Um, but you might be wondering why I'm not donning my full uniform on this oh. first episode like I promised. Oh, that's right. The banana suit that you promised me if the Mets lost right before they lost. Yeah. 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 Um, well, Easton wanted to start the official Hot Read podcast video on a week where the busiest work week of my entire life. So it is very you have me. you have my you have my word. Banana will be here on come Monday show. Yes. And it might be even sweeter if I have to wear a banana costume when yeah. the Mets end up losing the wild card <laughs> round. So we'll see. Yeah, yeah. So I, I have confirmed banana suit in the mail and I will make JT wear it on Monday's episode. But today we have something just as funny to talk about, and that is the Thursday night football from hell that we all just had to experience. Um, if you had something going on on Thursday night and missed this game, you are one lucky soul because this was, I think without exaggeration, the worst primetime game I've ever seen. Seen, And I watched the whole thing like just a sicko. Um, but it's like it was like a 10 Kyle 10 10 car pileup on the highway. It's like so tremendously terrible, but you just could not rip yourself away from it. You couldn't stop watching. JT, did you get to catch this game? What were your thoughts? I I caught most of it. Uh, a lot of my thoughts are just like it was it was basically for the Indianapolis Colts, it was like let Matt Ryan not get sack challenge impossible impossible impossible, <laughs> impossible. it's like in parentheses like a youtube video impossible uh-huh. that man was running for his life more than i've seen him run in the past like three years combined with atlanta um i also was kind of like on michael pittman watch because 
like the big brain GM that I am this week sat him. So I was mm. kind of happy for that, but also, I mean, it was, I, I, I don't know. The, the culture <laughs> it, it was, disaster. Just nothing. The, the way I saw this on Twitter, the way that the Indianapolis Colts media talked about Matt Ryan during training camp, during the preseason should be investigated by Homeland security immediately. The way they hyped this man up is unbelievable. And so tonight was kind of the coming out party for all of the national media that were hyping up the Colts in the entire offseason and post and preseason like they um, want to do each and every single year. Um, and I tweeted out like live view of all of the national media members that hyped up the Colts is like, oh, man, I was super wrong about the Colts. And then I said a live view of them exactly seven months from now. Is there anybody in the AFC South who can challenge the Colts? Because, you know, it's the inevitable cycle. We, we, are, all, we are in the midst in, in a, a big turning point moment here on the cycle. The, the, the media, earlier than they typically do, have realized how wrong they were about the Colts. And then uh, the clocks will reset next summer. But, yeah, Matt Ryan was a disaster. I, I, need to, I feel like I need to call the police on the Atlanta Falcons for, like, grand theft auto or like grand larceny the, the theft that went on the falcons just fleeced the afc south they got a second and a third and a fourth round pick out of the afc south for julio jones and matt ryan who were not just on washed watch at that point like in hindsight they were members one and two of washed island population two like it, it's bad man it's bad and now to be entirely fair to matt ryan like JT said, I've not seen worse linemen, uh, worse line play on the offensive side of the ball all season. And I, I struggle to think of the last time I saw worse. Well, no, I don't actually. It was the Cincinnati Bengals in the playoff game against the Titans. That was worse offensive lineman play. But this was really bad offensive lineman play for uh, not a Joe Burrow with not the Bengals receiving core. So it was way uglier. Um, both sides of the ball. I mean, it just it set offensive football back 50, 60 years. And actually, I saw this after the game because I made it up and I tweeted it. Per uh, Next Gen Stats, the Colts now are actually, they're the first team in NFL history to have two wins, but actually have zero wins. Because holy cow, the Colts have the two most fraudulent wins, not just in the league this year, but like I, I, these two wins for them, are the biggest fake news. I, I I'm, I'm genuinely speechless. You can't be a, you can't be a Colts fan and feel good about either of these wins. Like you can, no, you can no. say that you've won, but yes. like you cannot feel good. No, I think I also, was... it's so funny that as to your point about the offensive line play, I saw so many tweets about how like, the Colts would come out on any given drive and their, their offensive line would just be shaken up in a different formation. The next drive. It was it's just like, musical chairs, shuffle them. Trying, didn't work that they, time. they just kept plugging in different players in positions. Now, of course, some of them, like there was a couple injuries on there, but I mean, each, each drive was just, let's plug something else in and hope this finally clicks. Now, I think yeah. something that definitely hurt them. I mean, Naheem Hines, going out on the first or second play, which thank too, God that he did not come in back into the game or we would, no. we would have something even bigger on our hands to yes, talk about absolutely. here. Yeah. Um, but man, I mean, if you're a Colts fan right now, you are two, two 
and one, but you are feeling like you are oh four and one. Yeah, absolutely. Well, they they Maybe should be zero and five. <laughs> they should be one two and two now. I, I I wanted so badly. I think everybody in America wanted so badly for that game to end in a tie, not just because both teams deserved to lose. But because it would have been so funny to see the Colts be one, two, and two. That is some like old school, early season hockey stuff right there, man. Like that, that is hilarious to have two ties in the NFL in a single season. It would have been so great. Um, unfortunately, it's not what happened. So uh, it, it, I'm looking at all the all of the, the Twitter chaos here in front of me. The Broncos, by the way, they're scheduled to have four more standalone games this season. So that's exciting. I, I I would have rather watched any NFC East matchup, which is astounding that I, I'm saying this because I've spent years furious at the NFL for how much they force feed us NFC East primetime matchups. I would have taken any iteration of, I mean, what, what was the year that there, that division was horrible most recently, like 2020, 2019. I would take that iteration of the NFC East matchups over what we just had to watch. It was amazing, and I'm sure we're one of millions of different sports networks on Friday morning talking about this game and just how astonishingly bad it was. But holy cow, it was bad. I can't wait to see how Amazon Prime tries to market next week's Thursday Night Football game. <laughs> oh, no. You like you liked this game? Get ready for the Washington Commanders versus the Chicago Bears. What a back-to-back lineup we have these next two weeks. And if you look at just like, I didn't, I have not really paid attention to the Thursday Night Football lineup, and it's always bad. But sure. four weeks in and looking down the road at some of these matchups we have on Thursday Night Football. Right. Re- read them out real quick. Uh, where, where is it? We have... I know some of them we have, of course, the Commanders and the Bears next week. Gross. We A couple of the other ones that are not great. Later this season, we have the Jaguars versus the Jets. Mm. I think that's like week 12 or something like that. Mm. We have, I believe, the Eagles versus the Texans. <laughs> that's a matchup. Uh, of gross, course, man. the tale as old as time primetime game of the Panthers versus the Falcons, which they no. love giving for some reason. There's a bunch Gross. of them. But those are some of them that I just have off the top of my head there. Oh, man. It's going to be a hard sell going forward for the rest of the season for uh, Amazon Prime. for these. God, they spent, games. what was it, $2 billion on it? Yeah. I think I yeah. saw somewhere that if you break it down, the Amazon Prime paid about $78 million tonight to host this game (laughs) wow 78 million dollars and they stole three hours of the lives of millions of americans because we are not getting that time back all right i i'm not wasting any more of my life talking about that game although i could talk about it forever because it is one of the most bizarre things i've ever seen a couple of thoughts on the titans on the road this weekend before we get into the news uh that's pretty cool I like that. I know, right? That's one of course. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a, a couple of things that uh, I, I wanted to talk about in this game before we get to the news with, with producer JT. The, just my 10,000-foot view opinion of this game. The Titans, they have to handle business in Washington. They they have no business losing this game, um, and which every Titans fan has to be scared to death of because – that's the favorite of the Titans to lose the game that they have no business losing. So 
I understand the proclivity to dislike this kind of game as a Titans fan. It is most certainly the most boring game on the Titans schedule, um, top to bottom. I don't even need the context of each given week. This has to be the most boring one. The commanders are just bland and bad and ugly and their franchise is in shambles. Their stadium is in shambles. There's nothing good about this team. There are some good players. Um, and, you know, I'll talk about a lot of that detail later in the episode when we have James uh, Foster on to talk in our James Foster segment, of course. It's it's going to be, you know, not the biggest mismatch in the world. The, the commanders aren't all time bad at football, but they are bad enough at this point in the season that in their, in their reeling at this point, the Titans have no excuse not to get this win, to get this win and go into the bye, their extremely early week six bye, up three and two. You, you, they're going to be above 500 at that point. They're going to be feeling good playing the Colts, which, holy cow, they can't possibly be, you know, have that disaster turned around by week seven, hosting them out of the break and then playing on the road in Arrowhead on Monday night or Sunday night football, rather against the chiefs. That's the next real big test on their schedule going into the bye three and two would be tremendous because then you beat the Colts and go up two games over 500 or you, you fall to the Colts, which is horrible in terms of divisional implications. But in the grand scheme of things, you'd be back to 500 at that point, at the very least going into Arrowhead for a game that might drop you one game below 500. If you lose this game to the commanders, not only have you unequivocally blown the two clear easiest games on your schedule in the first five weeks, the commanders and the giants have to be the two easiest teams on this, on this Titan schedule right now. Well, it, unless the Colts are just that bad, they, they can't go Owen two in these games. They just can't. And we know that the Titans are, are want to do this right they love to lose these games but this is not one that they can afford to lose if they go into the break down uh, a game uh, under 500 that is at three at two and three they'll be you know it'll be kind of a disaster because then if if you end up blowing it to the colts which again the colts look horrible but as a divisional rival you can't ever write them off we know this they could go down two games under 500 and then be going into Arrowhead. And that would be a disaster for this team. So they have to win. They can win. There are a number of guys we're going to talk about the injury report here in just a moment that I, I think they're probably holding out just to get right, giving them this week off and the buy, basically giving them two weeks off for the price of one. Um, but that that is not going to be an excuse for this team not to win. So those are my thoughts on the game. It really is that simple. I'm sure there will be more for you. Um, I, I could talk more on them, but I didn't want to. Uh, I only want to talk about the things that I feel like are valuable of y'all's time. And I don't feel like anything else I would have to say about this game would be valuable of your time. There's a lot of talk out there. Sports talk radio. They got three hours to fill with something. I'm sure they've talked to this game uh, to the ends of the earth, but I really don't think there's that much to talk about. They need to win. It's a it's a good matchup for them. And uh, I, I think that they will. I'm predicting that they will. But that is all for today's monologue. Let's get into the news with JT. Alrighty, let's jump into the news. And of course, the biggest thing 
um, from this Thursday. Let's talk about the injury report right here. The biggest thing, takeaways from that, there's a lot of key players on this injury report who have logged their second DNP of the week. Going down the list here, we have Ole Daini with a neck injury. It seems that this neck injury every single week. I'm telling you, it's not going away. Traylon Burks with a toe, Zach Cunningham with an elbow, Bud Dupree with a hip, and Joe Jones with a knee all logged their second DMP of the week. Yeah, so like I said in the opener, I don't think that any of these guys are going to play this week. I'm not expecting any of them to play. I think that this is a situation where, you know, the Titans don't want to force anybody out there or rush anybody out there in an away non-conference game like this right like this is of you know regardless of the opponent this is the classification of opponent that is the least valuable to you in terms of wins of course they still are going to want to win but when you can take like i said two weeks of rest for these guys for the price of one because they have the buy coming up they're not going to rush any of these guys back so all of the dnps that have been back-to-back dnps i'd be really surprised if any of them go this week Looking at a couple other big names on the Titans side of the injury report, we have Amani Hooker with that concussion, which went from a limited participation to a DNP today. How concerning is that? I think it's minorly concerning. Listen, with concussion protocol situations like this, it's really, you can get a, a decent idea from Wednesday and Thursday, but Friday is the key injury report day for these concussions. They're, I don't know the specifics exactly on the different timelines for the concussion protocol, but by Friday, if you're a DNP with concussion and you're in the protocol, I know for a fact that you cannot play on Sundays. And so I, I've never seen anybody DNP with a concussion and then play on Sunday. That's just the way that the protocol seems to be set up. With, with Hooker, if he's DNP again, then obviously I think that he won't be out there. But it is interesting to me that he went and then didn't go today. Maybe it was just an additional rest day. I, I'm not sure. With a concussion, you don't usually see that kind of like immediate setback from one day of practice. So, you know, it could have been anything really. Tomorrow's status for him, whether he's full partial participant, uh, yeah, partial participant, or um, you know, a DNP, that will be the indicator for what we can expect from Poker on Sunday couple other guys of note we have Caleb Farley and Ben Jones both logging limited participations today after fully pre- after actually not even being on the injury report on mm-hmm. Wednesday and then we had guard Nate Davis not practice at all today after not being on the injury report right so it's fascinating with with Nate Davis and I had this pointed out by somebody on Twitter he's somebody that I don't know that it's been this way all four weeks, but at least in the last couple, he's popped up on the injury report midweek with a knee injury for a couple weeks in a row now. So I don't know if that's something, and then he's played each week, right? So I'm not sure that's something to be super concerned about. Tomorrow, I think, will be really telling for that. With Ben Jones, he's another guy that gets banged up, banged up easily as a veteran. You know, he plays a physical position. I think tomorrow will be telling, but knowing Ben Jones is proclivities on the injury report year in and year out i would be surprised if he didn't go um and then with caleb farley you know the guy needs to stay healthy because he needs to be available to get these valuable reps right now so for him to be injured again you know he's had some injury issues at this point not a great sign 
Moving over to the commander side of the injury report here, a bunch of DNPs as well. Safety Percy Butler did not practice both Wednesday and Thursday with a quad. Tackle Sam Cosme with a finger and linebacker Milo Eifler with a hamstring. A couple of the wide receivers for the commanders who both have logged two DMPs. We have Jahan Dotson with a hamstring and then Curtis Samuel with an illness. Yeah, so let me touch on just these these key guys for them. Obviously, Sam Cosme is a, a, a game wrecker in the run game for this offensive line. He, he really is a second-year player. I like him a lot. I think that having him out there will be a big deal for this already struggling Washington offensive line. The two receivers with Samuel, who had an illness, you know, that's typically something that a player comes back and is able to go by the weekend. So I would be surprised if he's out, but he hasn't practiced yet. With Dotson, it's been all but confirmed at this point that he's not going. Uh, the rookie out of Penn State, Jahan Dotson, a really valuable piece at receiver for this team already. One of the best, if not the best, rookie receivers so far this year. He is a big deal to not be out there. And um, so it, it seems pretty clear that hamstring, he's going to be out for a week or two. That's very good news for this tight secondary. Yeah, definitely. Jahan has been a kind of a red zone blanket mm -hmm. for Carson Wentz. So that'll be something to help him this week. Right. Another note about the Titans injuries as a whole. There's a couple stats on this already only through four weeks. The number of players that the Titans used through four games in 2021 last year was 61, and that was on the way to the record of 91. And so far through 2022, through four games, the Titans have used 60 players. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, listen, the old saying, once is chance, twice is a coincidence, three times is a pattern. I think it might be fair at this point to look at the Titans injury situation. You know, I know this is number two, but is it really a coincidence or have we strayed into this might be a pattern territory? I think there are some questions to, I, I've thought there've been some questions to ask when it comes to the way that they handle rest and recovery, you know, nothing malicious, obviously, but like they may need to reconsider the way they go about things because it's getting to a point of ridiculousness and it's getting to a point of, questionability as to whether or not it can just be a coincidence moving over to a key point that happened last week in the titans game over in their win over the colts looking forward to this week one priority for the titans heading into the season was creating more turnovers mm -hmm. and the titans have kind of done just that the team tied for the nfl lead in fumbles forced through four games last week they got I believe three and we're able to capitalize on two of them. Yep. So definitely a big factor so, so far. Yeah. A big factor for this team. And, and look, this is something that I wanted to actually write an article about this week. I may still get around to it. If things keep going this way, just, you know, not enough time in the day, the Titans, a big deal for them, at least in the back half of the 2021 season, right. Was their inability to protect the ball. And they lost a number of games last season based purely on them losing the turnover bat battle so poorly. The, the Texans game comes to mind. Um, the Steelers game comes to mind. The New England game comes to mind. This team 
this team had a real issue. That's all I'll say about that. Not to not to dig up old graves. This team had a real issue last season with with the turnovers, and they weren't forcing enough either. The script has flipped this year. That's the one area of serious improvement that we can point. One of the areas of serious improvement we can point to with the Titans is they are uh, they are not dealing with turnover issues on the offensive side of the ball, and and they are not struggling to get turnovers on defense. So that's really that's great news for them. Yes, for sure. And definitely a lot of other issues to be seen. I think I saw this on Twitter earlier today, uh, a little interview with Todd Downing earlier today, where he Uh said that the Titans were on the cusp of figuring out that second half offense. So it will be, it's yet to be seen, but it is, but it definitely could be a game to get right on that track. Although I, I, I need, hang on, sorry, JT, no, you off, but I, this is a thought that I meant to talk about in the open. I need to put out there. I think this game is a lose lose for the Titans, a specific, specifically in answering the main question everybody has for them: Why is your second half offense so poor? This is a game where I anticipate, and it won't be fair. It should, this shouldn't be the way that it will be, but I think it will be. If they win the game and have an actual, you know, they score 10, 14, 17 points in the second half, the titans fan base isn't going to accept that there's no way they're just it's going to be like well yeah okay against the commanders sure 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 and it's the command like uh, do it in a real game i don't believe you and that's going to be the narrative through the next week through the bye week back you know two full weeks of media so the slowest media cycle in season that's going to be the stupid narrative even if they win and of course it'll be the you know not stupid narrative if they if they lose uh, not not win and lose rather, but have a, another terrible second half. So, I think either way, this Titans team is you know going to to those of us looking with a, a fair and objective eye, I think answer that question or not answer that question, but with people that are are you know a, a little bit more shallow in that way, I suppose is the only word I can think of. They, they're they're not going to accept whatever the Titans do. Uh, as a satisfying answer moving on to a kind of a little sadder note earlier today on the bussin with the boys podcast taylor taylor lewan reflected on his acl injury Mm -hmm. saying a couple comments along the lines of what if it's over for me what if football is done with me i've got a lot to think about so definitely something to just do a little bit of a reality check for titans fans and other fans around the league uh just kind of you know something that it's part of the game yeah yeah the father time is undefeated um here's the thing with Lawan. we talked about this at the time when he went down i i think that he's done as a titan i, I think that he is probably done in the nfl frankly you know, he's certainly not coming back here to nashville will he go play somewhere else maybe i, I just you know getting to barely know the man um speaking to him this year and you know just the way that he carries himself and the way he talks on his podcast and how he has so many interests outside of football i think this is probably going to be the end of the road for him one final thing before we wrap up this news segment let's do a little bit of a wardrobe check for the titans entering enemy territory to face commander carson and the other commanders the titans will be decked out in their white jerseys with navy blue britches and white socks in this sunday's game fantastic all right that is producer jt with the news 
All right, it's a James Foster Friday, and that means we are once again joined by James Foster of A to Z Film Room. James, welcome back. How are you, man? I'm good. How are you doing? Doing great. We're, uh, of course, talking about the Titans and Colts from last week. To start, a little bit of a recap from your perspective. You've, of course, been through all the film this week, and uh, I'm sure you have many thoughts. You know, the topic of the week so far, and the season really so far for the Titans, is their second half woes. We've done a lot of digging on this in Nashville media this week, and I haven't found a clean answer from anybody. Do you think that there's one primary answer or do you think it's just a bizarre you know, collection of various mistakes from various different places in the second half just to kind of across the board? Have you seen anything like this before? I haven't seen, you know, I think I've I've never seen a team collapse in the second half like this. And it, it not be so defined by like, um, you know, fumbling the game away late. You know, mm. I've seen like teams that have struggles with second half collapses and, um, you know, like Bears, Vikings, they kind of stick out. And it's Falcons. double doink field goals. It's crazy stuff happening at the end of the game where you chargers are the perfect example where you find chargers. a new way to win. Yep. And it's not really like that. It's just uh, the offense just completely shuts down. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as, you know, finding one person to blame, I, I think everybody kind of always wants to do that, but it's almost never the case. Um, you know, if, if I go through and look at the, the inefficient, so plays with negative EPA from the second half offensive and looking at who I negatively graded for those plays, we've got, uh, Nicholas Petit Friere, mm-hmm. uh, we've got Derek Henry, Derrick Henry, uh, Dontrell Hilliard, um, Dennis Daly, Dennis Daly, Aaron Brewer. Aaron Brewer had a bunch of, you know, uh, blown run blocks in this game. And so, you know, there's there's certain things that I think Todd Downing definitely deserves blame for. I think we I think we might have talked about this last week, but like we did a running, bit, yeah. Like running a naked keeper right at Dennis Daly. Yeah. That, puts him in a bad situation and unsurprisingly he did not come through. So, you know, that's, that's the sort of thing where I guess everybody just has to balance it in their own head as far as who do you put more blame on for that? But um, yeah, I think it's really been a collective effort. They had another collection of random backups in the game for the defense. The Titans did last week. You had Adams, um, Mitchell, Edwards, Cole, those are the guys that come to mind from last week. It's seemingly a different group each week, but the difference in the Colts game was that none of them really got exposed in any big way. Did you see anything on the tape from Shane Bowen's perspective? You know, did Bowen scheme the defense up in a way that, that set them up for success? Or do you think it was just a collection of pretty solid individual performances? You know, as opposed to the Las Vegas game where they ran a ton of, bracket coverage and uh you know two-man combo zone coverage towards Devonte adams side you can tell in this game that they really do not think that the colts have a number one receiving threat that they mm-hmm. um that they need to take away and that they can't you know afford to have someone in man coverage on them they ran a lot of cover three and cover one probably their most uh the most of the season so far um i thought that dylan cole flashed uh, on the broadcast as having a nice game after watching the film it was a lot of just kind of clean up 
work that other people were really actually, you know, the ones actually stopping the running backs momentum. And he was right. kind of coming in. And then there were a lot of, he got exposed on a lot of bad tackling angles and just kind of not having that short area quickness to mirror a juke move. So I, I watched that film and I know he technically had a good game, but I'm still thinking of him as someone that I want to get off the field, honestly. Right. Yeah. You know, another element of this team that I find troubling and I know that you find troubling is just the lack of team speed. It's tremendous. It's painfully obvious on offense. No racing math, no trail and Burks means that they're really limited in their downfield capabilities. And then on defense, Whenever they don't have Bud Dupree or Ola Daney in there, it means that there's very little speed containing the edges of the pocket. How necessary do you think team speed is to success in today's NFL? And do you think that the Titans just fundamentally disagree that they need any? You know, I don't think that I don't think speed is is really as important as power when it comes to uh pass rush specifically the titans pass rush because you know it's a lot of four-man rushes and so there's you know someone's going to get double teamed and so you want a bunch of people that can kind of just work their way even if they're not beating the double team work their way and still push the pocket a little bit you're running a lot of stunts as the first man on the stunt uh you know you need to kind of be able to you need to have long arms like you know think of Danico autry you can kind of just come in and like sweep uh sweep away two blockers and I don't know I I just I really don't see um having one of the, like I don't I don't see someone like Ola or um you know anyone that's kind of this budget Harold Landry type of skill set just a pure speed rusher you know I, I don't really see them as a necessity in the Titans defense and I don't see many people like that winning in the NFL, unless there's someone that can do it at a, you know, elite, elite level, like Von Miller and like Hassan Reddick has been this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. Personally, I don't really think Ola makes a huge difference to the pass rush. Okay. How about the offensive side of the ball though? With, with a lack of team speed. Oh, were you asking me about the offense? Yeah. But both sides of the ball, just the team speed oh, all yeah. around for this. Oh, team. They don't, they don't really have any. Yeah. I think that, um, I think without Traylon, that's absolutely true. I mean, and Racy you know, being, I mean, those are the only two options they really have in terms of stretching yeah, the field vertically. And, you know, Racy, I think until he proves that he can do more than just catch the Khalif Raymond routes. Right. Yeah. You know, there's, there's a difference between a deep threat as someone knowing like, okay, we need to have a safety accounting for this guy. Right. And, a deep threat. That's also a do it all receiver, you know? Right. And there's Scotty Miller and then there's Tyreek Hill. They're not, they're not the same. Right. Um, and you know, the, the Titans are not really a team that stretches the field vertically, even when they had the speed to do it. I mean, I, I guess they tried, they, they didn't really do it effectively. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that, I think Traylon Burks has that kind of speed that you're talking about and obviously speed and, and, every position is important when you start to get down to guys like Cody Hollister, I guess, you know, I see both sides of that debate because I do see the effects of blown blocks in the run game um, and can understand wanting to have receivers that you can trust to, you know, hold up there. Right. Um, But obviously just not very dynamic as a pass catcher. 
so looking ahead to Washington, this has to be the most boring game on the Titans schedule this year. Uh, it's going to be the the most corner TV game in the league for anybody that's not a Washington or Tennessee fan. But of course, we have to watch it and the Titans need to win this game. What, if anything, do the commanders do well and, and what do they do particularly poorly that you've seen on tape? Well, the front four is really good, even without Chase Young. I mean, Deron Payne, Montez Sweat, um, and Jonathan Allen is someone Allen, who's yeah. you know right up there in Jeffrey Simmons' kind of tier of, of um, defensive linemen. Um, Jamin Davis, the linebacker, first-round pick from last year, had an awful year, awful rookie season. I remember, I think Mike Renner said that you know they grade each – player on each play on like negative two to two um in increments of 0.5 and he said jamin davis didn't have a single play graded above 0.5 as a rookie which is like insane to do it just means Mm. you're literally doing nothing good yeah um but watching him this year i mean you can see the first round pick in him you know he's making plays um in the backfield doing a good job engaging with blocks the secondary personnel wise is okay they just and they've been this way since last year they're just it's miscommunication central uh Mm. in the washington secondary so you know if if you want like a if you want a a bold prediction i would say that the titans have a, a 40 plus yard passing touchdown in this game wow okay well on the offensive side of the ball is there anything of note there that's particularly good or bad for this team um yeah carson went sucks um, <laughs> that's terry a softball McLaurin, question terry mclaurin is really good Jahan dotson has had flashes although he does rank 10th out of 10 qualifying rookie receivers in yards per route run so that's mm. an interesting stat um we talked about a lot about him when when you were co-hosting this show in the spring and we weren't that high on him but he's I mean, just in terms of production, he's been one of the better rookie receivers so far. Yeah, no, I mean, I the the ball skills and just the ability to catch outside of his frame, uh, it looks like it's absolutely translating. And so, um, you know, the the yards per route run that like regardless of that, he's he's outperforming my expectations as a rookie. Right. Um, and he's someone that uh, you want to talk about contested catches. Mm-hmm. Uh, if Terrence Mitchell is back there. Dude is probably giving up a 100% contested catch rate over his career. So uh, it's going to be light work for Jahan Dotson. How about that offensive line? Sam Cosme, right tackle, uh, second-year player, Uh is a mauler in the run game. Um, Let's see. Charles Leno at left tackle actually had a really good game against Micah Parsons. uh, Oh, wow. Monday night, I believe it was. I was watching the Cowboys film last night, and – um yeah Micah Parsons that was that's the first game I've seen him just almost do nothing as a pass rusher um and it was mostly thanks to Charles Leno um looking at their offensive line Andrew Norwell uh like solid veteran from from Jacksonville don't haven't watched him Nick Martin don't know much about him and Trey Turner I don't know much about him so interior guys potentially I think Nick Martin's like a backup they might be onto their second or third center so Interior could be a um, a weak spot for them, just based on the fact that I haven't watched any of them. So this Titans, uh, their coaching staff has clearly the last couple of weeks keyed in on a couple of guys on each of their opponents that has scared them. Right? They in the Raiders game were cl- clearly focused on shutting down Darren Waller, 
shutting down Devonte Adams against the Colts. Michael Pittman and Jonathan Taylor not going to let them beat us. Who in this game scares you that like that? If you're one of the Titans coaches, who are you circling on the whiteboard this week? It's whichever receiver Washington decides to line up on the right side. Um, you know, op, <laughs> yeah. being completely honest, because they have two number ones. You know, number one ish. I guess Jahan Dotson we can as- assume is a number one. But well, Dotson's know, probably not going to go. But they'll have Curtis Samuel out there. Oh, for real? See, here's the yeah. thing. I just I I spend I like watch so much football that I just never I never know who's in and out each week. Who's injured? Like this happens. Yeah, to he's me got a hamstring. He's probably not going to go. So it's going to be it's going to be uh, scary Terry and Curtis Samuel back there. And uh, Diami Brown. Diami Brown, yeah. The thing is, though, like, does it matter against, against Terrence Mitchell? I mean, yeah, I, like, I don't I'm, I'm not even does. really kidding because it's like Terrence Mitchell. They're no Mac Collins. Not shown the ability to stop anyone. So, no. you know, I mean, Diami Brown is he got uh, he got kind of trashed by uh, Amon Ross St. Brown. He was the guy that he used as the example of uh, the player looking that was across ahead the, of him. Uh huh. Um, but be his I mean, breakout I, game right here. He's a he's a solid deep threat though, and so, you know, uh, I would say the spot opposite of Terry McLaurin. I would be interested to see if they have Christian Fulton shadow him, or if they end up playing uh, Washington kind of similar to how they did uh, Vegas. You know, a team that just has that one big offensive threat. All right, so before we get you out of here, one last question, and we, uh, we're excited to be able to do this now that we're a video show. This is the first video version of the show that's going out. Each week when you come on, we're going to have you detail a play or two of the week from the previous week's film. Um, so, so here are a couple of plays that you wanted to kind of just walk our audience through from Titans versus Colts. All right, so I just wanted to talk about two runs that – went nowhere for the Titans and kind of give you, give people some like realistic examples of how, you know, running Derrick Henry up the middle, that can be a black, a, a bad play call, but it can also be on the offensive personnel. Mm, okay. Um, so right here, we've got duo jet uh, duo is basically two double teams. And then you've got the running back, is going to run in the opposite direction of where the blocks are going. So the blocks okay. are going this way. The running back is going this way. Um, the double team blocks, Ben Jones here wants to climb to 58, but he has a terrible angle to do this because 58 okay. is shaded on top of them. And so the point of the jet motion from Robert Woods to draw him over going to get everybody you can see them everybody's going to shift over one gap and then check out ben this angle that ben jones has to climb to the second level okay yeah right see like so that's an example when you see motion it's not necessarily just to um you know confuse the defense or add window dressing sometimes it is kind of arbitrary but a lot of times you know what teams do is they study uh, the post snap rotation and how they adjust the run fits as the formation changes and try to exploit that through the run game. Um, if we look at this double team that we've got uh, with Dennis Daly and Aaron Brewer, I'll let it play out. One of these guys needs to climb to the second level. Okay. So you get 
over here, over here, and then we've got 54, or 44, excuse me. Daly either needs to climb here and help Aaron Brewer secure this one-on-one, -on -one, and then Henry would cut it back through the B-gap like that. Uh-huh. Or if, you know, this is where I can't know what the call is. If uh, they're doing an overtake with, and let me uh, clear these drawings. If they're doing an overtake with Dennis Daly, then Aaron Brewer could come off if that's the way that the run was flowing. Gotcha. Because 94 takes this step to the backside, neither of them are able to come off. I don't know if it's, mm. you know, it could be that Aaron Brewer was supposed to come off, but he uh, gets hung up just here. Just was cut off, yeah. And Dennis Daly needs to adjust. But like, this is just an example of how an unblocked defender, you know, one unblocked play defender call, can play call is pretty benign. It's pretty good, mm -hmm. but that play is going nowhere. I don't care if Andy reads the play caller or whoever. Now, mm -hmm. the thing is, there's always this qualifier, which is that player execution does ultimately fall on the offensive coordinator, you know, installing everything in a way that they can, uh, go out there and play fast. So that's, you know, that you could, if you wanted to to blame Todd Downing for that, you could talk yourself into that. But ultimately um, I put this, I think on Dennis Daly, but I put it on that, that deuce block on the right side or left side. Okay. Did you have one more play that you wanted to show us? One yard. All right. This is a run that gains one yard. They're running stretch zone with a lead blocker. So you get lead, you get, double team, double team. And then assuming that the, the uh, defense is flowing in this direction, he's going to come off NPF overtakes onto the end man of the line of scrimmage. Mm -hmm. And so when we look at this tray block, which is what we call it, tackle tight end combo on number 54, you would expect that they at least slow them down. You know, at least one person gets on them. But he's going to dart inside. Swaim needs, once he sees this inside step, this inside movement, this is what, this is the easiest way to shut down wide zone. They want everything flowing in one direction. You do a sharp step in the opposite. Once Jeff Swaim recognizes this, he needs to abandon the double team and get down uh, to 26 right here. Because NPF doesn't or shouldn't need help if, um, you know, securing that block because 54 is already taking the step for him. You exactly. Know? Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like with, with uh, play action. If you, see an un, if you see an unblocked blitzer, the running back is supposed to abandon it. Mm -hmm. If they're doing inside movement and this, you know, scrape, replace, whatever they want to call it, he needs to abandon it and come down there and then delete these effects. And then NPF, I mean, I don't, this is like, he's just kind of laying it right here. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, he had a few of these. I mean, it's, you guys broke down the stunts where it's not even fail, you know, it's not even failing to pick up the stunt. It's just not even try, you know, attempting. Right. Um, and so this is, this would fall into the, what are we doing here? Hmm. NPF category. Okay. Which is what I will say when 
the majority of Nicholas Petit Friere's bad reps this season have been this sort of thing where it's like a mental error, which for a rookie, I would much rather see than him just getting flat out beat or he just can't sustain blocks or whatever. I mean, when he's, you know, going in the right spot, um, he's, he's doing pretty well. So uh, this, I'm still optimistic about this, but yeah, NPF has been, there's been a lot of blown blocks from NPF over the last couple of weeks. All right. Well, that's what makes James the best, his ability to break this down for us layman NFL enjoyers to make it all make sense. Um, super informative, super educational. Thank you, James. Tell everybody listening what you are up to over with A to Z Film Room right now, what they can check out, what you've been putting out. Yeah, um, one Titans video a week and a bunch of other NFL content. We're trying to you know, diversify the audience and, and make it into a national thing, but uh, always trying to keep that uh titans content going out since that's what i started the channel as and uh yeah we've got i'm actually working on the uh week four film breakdown right now should be out okay. on friday uh a to z sports film room on youtube and follow me on twitter at no flags film all right james we'll talk to you next friday thanks man thanks for having me All right, for our last segment of the day, my favorite segment of the week, the best bet gauntlet. Let's talk about where we're at in the season. Last week, as a recap, JT, you went 3-2, and two, a winning week. I went 3-1-1, one, and one, got another push. Shout out to Vikings for breaking my heart. Um, so, But I'm, I'm actually not heartbroken because I couldn't ask for a better first month of our best bet gauntlet. I am at 11-7-2. If you were placing $100 bets with me all year so far, you'd be up $350. Fun fact, I did the math on that because I am up uh, about three and a half units right now. JT, another winning week. He's clawing his way back after an abysmal two-week start. He's had two good weeks. At three and two, he is uh, now eight and 12 on the year. About to be back at 500 soon, I'd imagine, based on his, uh, his current trajectory. We've got our best bets, uh, our, our available bets to us here in front of us. JT, are you ready for the week five edition of the Best Bet Gauntlet Draft? I am. And, you know, if you've been listening to this show all year, you've seen a pattern with Easton's bets, but I'm about to shake that all up. Because if you know me on this show, you got to go against my, you got to get a, you got to go against Commander Carson. Give <laughs> no. me the Titans minus one and a half. I Amanda knew this is where you're going. Down. Down. Yeah, no, and that's, listen, that's on brand for producer JT. Very anti-Commander Carson. He's now, made some money could, off of Commander could, Carson this year. It could come back to haunt me. You know, could, the, the could. Titans could lose a game. They should win. Oh, but, they you could. know, in the past, they haven't gone up against a guy like Commander Carson. You know what Commander Carson's regiment? They, did, they, they did that twice last year, though. Commander Carson's regiment? They ain't got it. They ain't got it this week. The they Titans are going to roll right. them. Give me that line. Okay. All right. So you take the <laughs> Titans, which I've done each week so far this year. Um, but it's, I needed to get off the Titans for a week. I'm going to take my favorite line on the board. Give me Green Bay in London town minus seven and a half. Is that one that you wanted, JT? Uh, that was one that was... Uh, I, I was debating it. I was debating. Do I... Do I take the Titans here because I feel really good about them and will they fall here? Will Green Bay fall? And of course they don't. So what are you going to do? What are you going to do? 
Uh, but yeah, to, just to explain that, sorry, Green Bay, uh, the, the Giants, I think, are a very, not very, the most fraudulent three-win team in the league right now. Uh, the, the Packers are slowly starting to put things together on offense, and I just think they're that much better of a team uh, over the this New York Giants team that's just not very good, in my opinion. Now, an interesting fun fact, by the way, uh, no London game with a spread over a touchdown has uh, not been covered by the favored team. So uh, I love Green Bay give, get, giving a touchdown, uh, actually a seven and a half rather, in London against the Giants. Moving on with my second pick here. Hmm. Give me the Chargers to continue their winning ways. They're not winning by much, but this line of two kind of helps me out there. They can win by that. I feel good going into this game here, winning by at least a field goal. Give me the Chargers. All right, with my second pick in the best bet gauntlet draft, I'm taking the team that loves to murder teams when they are heavily favored against them, and that's the Buffalo Bills uh, hosting, I believe, the Kenny Pickett-led Steelers, who are just not a very good football team. I think with or without Pickett at this point, I think Pickett will get better. But for now, he's not going to really do anything against this Bills defense. I don't I don't see that happening. I see the Bills steamrolling here by at least, you know, two touchdowns and a field goal. Give me the Bills to win by more than 14 and a half. Looking at the board here with my third pick, this feels like the trap game of all trap games this week. And you know what? I'm just, I'm going to do it anyways. Give me San okay. Fran minus six and a half. Okay. Look, we've seen, we've seen Baker for four weeks now not be very good. This San Fran team just kept the Rams to looking like an dismal offense, offensive front. And I don't think Baker can do better than Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup in that Rams offense. No. Give me San Fran minus six and a half to win by a touchdown at least. Okay. A fact that I saw, I love that one. I think something I saw on Twitter earlier today, San Fran has not allowed anybody this year to score more than 11 points. So um, as long and that, as and that defense Jimmy G, is the defense is pieces very, too. you know, it's it is. And it's missing is, a couple pieces, it, yeah, which yeah, is yeah. wild to think about. It is wild. It may be, I think it may be the best. I think it is the best defense in the league right now. Um, with my third pick, give me Teddy Covers taking the Miami Dolphins uh, at minus three in this game. Teddy Bridgewater getting the start on the road. Teddy Bridgewater is a dog. This guy does not miss on the road. His record is like 14 and one or something like that as a road dog. So give me Teddy Covers to lead the Dolphins to a uh, three point over a three point week over a three-point lead words of heart at this point. Yeah, yeah. listen Anyways. guys you gotta understand we're recording this way later than we wanted to it is way too late to be doing this but we wanted to get it to you first thing friday morning so put up with us <laughs> moving on to my fourth pick here and surprisingly the first dog on the board through oh, six right wow this is not like me it is really right. not like you right no, now. No, go ahead. You, you're usually loving the dogs, but I guess not this week. I'm going to take the first one. Give me Seattle plus five and a half. You know, I, last week I may have said Seattle bad, Detroit good. You did say that. However, however maybe Seattle kind of good? 
I think five and a half with a right now in the air toss up, possibly Andy Dalton led Saints team. Yeah, red rifle I, time. Yeah. I think Gino continues to kind of put up some decent numbers, and I think this Seattle Best team quarterback in the league right now. What are you talking about? <laughs> puts up some decent numbers. Give me Seattle with the points plus five and a half. Are you the kombucha girl on the Seahawks right now? Like the where she's like, mm. uh, maybe. Mm. Yeah, literally. <laughs> I cannot. Maybe. I'm gonna go. It's gonna go week to week for me. Sometimes I'm gonna pick them and I'll be like, you know what? They're kind of good. And the next week they'll play someone. They'll play someone like the Rams or something next week, and I'll be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. they're bad. They're bad. <laughs> they're yeah, bad. exactly. Yeah. All right, <laughs> enough, enough about the Seahawks. I will. You know what? I've taken three favorites right now, and I'm just gonna go total for the for Spooktober right now. Gonna go totally against the grain, the Eastern grain, against all of my priors, against my better judgment. I'm gonna keep riding with the favorites, and this may be where my season comes to a crashing halt in this game <laughs> because uh, I'll have to pay for it. There's no way that all of these hit. But I like I like Philadelphia minus five, man. I really like Philly minus five. Uh, this this team is just not good, and uh, Philadelphia is. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. Cardinals I, I believe... not good. Eagles good. Yeah, sorry, I didn't even mention go. who they're playing. Yeah, the Cardinals. <laughs> they're a fraudulent team. I, I think they're two and two right now. They're a fraudulent team at two and two. Their wins have been one was impressive, one was entirely not. I don't think that they're going to be able to hang with the team that is undeniably the hottest team in the league right now. I don't think they're the best. I've talked about that. But the Eagles are so hot right now. Give me them to win by a touchdown. And then we have our fifth pick, which seemingly for now three weeks in a row has kind of become the matchup of the week here. Yeah. Um, I believe the first week I won it taking, I forget who I took, um, you took the lines at some point. I did take the lines at some and they point. Covered. And they covered. I think you won last week. Yeah, so we'll go back and look. We'll go back and find We'll go out. back and look, and we'll we'll tweet that out somewhere. However, this week's matchup, Easton, you have the Patriots at minus three and a half. And I, I, I just love them. I love, they did me dirty last week, but I got to give me some Moda City kitties. Listen, Jamal Williams is the second coming of Ladanian Tomlinson. He is gonna run <laughs> all over Stop. these New England Patriots. I don't Stop care. It. I don't care who's in the backfield. Josh Reynolds. He, he's the next Megatron. Give me, give me the Lions playing. Maybe what's his name? Bailey Zappy. What, what is what is that guy's name? I don't know. Bailey Zappy. Yeah. Bailey Zappy. I got that right. Listen. Did did he almost beat the Packers last week? Yes. Yes. Is he gonna beat the Lions this week? No. Yes. Give me the Detroit Lions plus three and a half. That was a great win to Foxborough. Producer JT, that was a great Joe's argument, as in pros and Joe's, because the <laughs> public loves them the Lions right now. And I'm typically a Lion lover as well. However, in this matchup. New England is the pros pick right now, even having to give over the field goal. Minus three and a half. That's my fifth and final pick of the best bet gauntlet week five edition. Um, they're the team that, like you just you just said it, they almost beat Green Bay last week. And we know that in this kind of situation where other teams love to fold, missing their quarterback, um, Bill Belichick doesn't do that. 
He's never done that. He's never been the one to give up in in that way on on his team. He just manages to scheme it up. He's he's the best individual game plan coach in the history of the league. This will be no different. The Lions' defense is aggressively bad. Give me New England minus three and a half. So to recap, JT, he's riding with Tennessee minus one and a half. The Chargers minus two. San Francisco minus six and a half. Seattle plus five and a half. And Detroit plus three and a half. And I am riding with... Truthers. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jared Goff, Truthers, Commander Carson, Poopers. Uh, The... uh, the Easton side of the board here, unlike him, I know, he's got five favorites for you. Green Bay, minus seven and a half. The Bills, minus 14 and a half. Miami, minus three. Philly, minus five. And New England, minus three and a half. Go and place your bets at the window now. You're welcome for the free information. That's going to be it for this week. Another chaotic episode down. Um, I'm looking forward to some better Titan specific topics to talk about next week once we get past this game because um I like the show to be more structured than this and it <laughs> devolves into especially when we do this so late us being ridiculous and uh, I hope it's at least enjoyable to listen to we, if you're listening to me now I guess it was because uh, or you're a masochist because you're here so congratulations for getting to the end before you go really don't click away just yet a couple of things Please go and rate, review, subscribe. First of all, subscribe. If you're not, if you're listening to the show but not subscribed, you there's a button so you can always see the show. Anyways, I'll explain it to you later. Just let me know if you don't understand. the uh, <laughs> The thing you got to do besides subscribing is go on Apple Podcasts, leave us a five star rating, and then leave a review with whatever you want, and we'll shout you out on the show. It, it I know every show asks you to do that. We're asking you to not ignore a show asking you to do that this one time. It really does mean a ton to us. It helps us with selling the show. Speaking of selling the show, if you are a uh, business owner of a small business or a big business for that matter here in Nashville or the Middle Tennessee area, we are looking for advertisement opportunities for the show. Um, We have those opportunities rather for you. So if you are looking to advertise on a local show, local business, supporting local business, we would love to chat. Hit me up um, on Twitter or on uh, broadwaysportsmedia.com. You'll be able to find my email there. Um, a couple of shows coming out still this week. We, we have, or this weekend, rather, we've got the best of Broadway episode two of the year, but the week five edition, um, all of the very best from Broadway this week condensed really into a single episode. If, if you happen to miss some of the shows, if you, um, just want to recap before the game, this is your show for it on all of our, uh, main podcast feeds for Broadway sports media podcast network. We'll have the show on them on Saturday morning. Of course, the Mike Herndon show came out last night or yesterday afternoon, actually. Um, I'm the executive producer of that show. Mike and I went through a lot of film. It was fantastic. It will be a perfect primer for your game. I can tell you that much. You can find the free version of it on YouTube or become a Broadway Insider today and go and get a subscription and get all this content for free and you get more access to, or not for free, available to you because it's not for free. Um, If you have that Insider Pass, you get so much great stuff, including the full Mike Herndon show. All right, I'm done rambling. It's time for me to go to bed. JT, thanks for sticking it out. Everybody, hope you have a great Friday, great start to your weekend, and enjoy watching the Titans take on the Commanders this Sunday at noon. For producer JT, I am Easton. This has been the Hot Read. Peace out.